Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. So a year ago, I sat in this very same box. I told you that the NBA All-Star Game was an abomination to the sport of basketball. And that the game being an abomination was nothing new. And that it would only get worse. And of course, I was not wrong about any of that. You see, at this point, trashing the NBA All-Star Game is the easiest take in the world. It is the lowest hanging fruit there is. The only thing easier than trashing the All-Star Game is trashing the dunk contest, which is officially back to being unwatchable garbage Garbage. after one mildly entertaining year. You know, that whole Mac McClung thing last year was almost cool. Almost cool. So, of course, the league did what they do. They ran it back. They ran it back again. Like, it was sort of different and sort of interesting that a six foot two inch, 180 pound, G leaguing, TikToking, viral dunker won the dunk contest. You know, that was mildly interesting last year. Or you could make the argument that that was the exact moment that the dunk contest finally and officially jumped the shark. Either or, right? For me, as always, my answer is yes. But at least it was something different last year. This time around, Commissioner Ears and company decided to jump the very same shark once again. They basically decided to pull the shark out of the water and have the shark jump the shark this time. Instead of having the fawns do it. So you've got the shark jumping the shark, the dunk contest, unwatchable. But if the dunk contest was unwatchable, then the all-star game was straight up torture. Kamish Ears keeps trying to get these guys to show some effort. And every single year they prove how little they care about what he wants. He keeps trying to get them to give a damn, but they don't. 397 total points were scored in that game last night. The East scored 211 points. 211 points in a basketball game. And who said that Doc Rivers did not deserve to be coaching in that game? If only Doc could figure out how to get the Bucks to score 211 points in a real game, then all of that dude's problems would be solved. Two million. But that's kind of the point, right? This is not a real game. This is as far from a real game as you could possibly get. I've seen more competitive layup lines. I've seen games of horse at the Y with more stakes. I've taken naps that were more intense than that basketball game last night. People in the middle of a REM cycle show more effort and focus than NBA players in the All-Star game. Even Ears himself could not hide how pissed he was after the game. After all, this is the same guy who has spent much of this year talking. I mean, when I say this year, I mean the past year. Talking about how motivated he was to get these guys motivated to play. He even said as recently as Saturday that he was expecting, quote, a good game. Ah, that's not what you got, Ears. What you got 
is known in these parts as ass. Of course he was pissed. He didn't even try to hide it either when he, quote, congratulated the champs. And to the Eastern Conference All-Stars, you scored the most points. Well, congratulations. That qualifies as like fierce, savage smack from the commissioner. Well, congratulations. Ears was all confused like, I mean, what's going on here? You guys actually tried in the EI, the Ears Invitational. The hell happened tonight? You loved my Ears Invitational so much that the Lakers couldn't wait to sully their legacy by hanging a banner for it. But you couldn't be bothered to put on a show for the Ears All-Star Game. And the dude's like so confused. You know what, Adam? If I may Adam you for once, I can help you with this, Adam. I can help you with this. The reason they cared so much about the EI the Ears Invitational, and so little about the Ears All-Star Game is because you bribe them to play in your little in-season tourney. You want them to care about the All-Star Game? Then pay them like you did for the IST because they don't give a damn. They don't care. And if they don't give a damn and they don't care, why should any of us? I would not watch a minute of that garbage if I wasn't paid garbage. to watch it. And even then, it's not enough anymore. In fact, at this point, I'm looking to pay the suits in New York to get me out of having to watch this garbage. I want to pay for the right not to garbage. have to watch it. I would rather pay and not have to watch it than get paid to watch it. You feel me? I get that at this point. Pretty much all professional all-star games suck. But none more so than the NBA's all-star game. Those guys care about one thing and one thing only. Not getting hurt. They admit it. Hey, by the way, I don't even blame them. But the, the game means nothing. It means nothing. Why would you risk injury in that game when it might hurt you during a regular season? I get it. But they don't even try to hide it. The only person on this planet who thought that they were going to get anything other than what they got last night was you, Ears. So I've got no idea why you're all up in here, all butthurt, and in your feels about that. Again, one year ago, I said it was horrible. And I said that it would be even worse a year later, and it was. I mean, at this point, I got to say, it's almost comical to watch a collection of some of the greatest athletes on the planet gather every single year for what is supposed to be a showcase of their talent. And then they showcase absolutely none of their all-worldly talent. All right, but you know me. You know me. It's really easy to sit up here and take a big dump on the All-Star game. Who can't do that? It's the easiest thing ever. It really is. So let me show you my range and show you another gear and find some positive things to say about that. And it won't be easy, but I'm good. I'm smart. So, for instance, I'm happy for I'm happy for Dame. I'm happy for Dame Lillard. Happy that he scooped up the MVP of that game last night. Happy he won the three-point contest on Saturday. So good for him. Now, if I'm being really honest and totally fair, totally. the re- totally fair. Mm, totally fair. Mm. 
the real MVP, as well as Dame played, but the real MVP could probably be found up on the second floor. The second floor, Alvin. He could be found up there, Alvin. Alvin, the the second freaking floor, Alvin. Holy crap, Alvin. Where are you, dude? Oh, wait. Way to get that today, Alvin. Way to get that on the same day, Alvin. This is incredible. You know what Alvin's excuse was? I forgot the name of the song. That, that the name of the song is not Second Floor. Oh, okay. Alvin, you've never had trouble finding that before. Wow, Alvin. Even you can't interrupt my flow. No, what I'm saying is the real MVP was Luca, who can be found, wait for it, Alvin, on the second floor. Thank you. You know why? His name is Sec. His name is Luca, and he lives on the second floor. Anyway, my point is nobody was more committed last night than Luca. More committed to the spirit of All Star Weekend. In other words, nobody was more committed to the spirit of not trying, being lazy, not getting more than an inch off the floor, and then getting rejected by the rim. I'm barely even kidding about that. In fact, you want my advice, ears? Whether you want it or not, you're going to get it. You and your company may as well embrace the suck at this point. Ever heard that phrase? Embrace the suck. Embrace the suck. Well, that's what you should do. And then you should give an award to the dude who gives the least effort. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? This time... Change up. Don't make a shake. Do not eat a bar. Instead, grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Here's why. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender, and it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. On top of that, Old Trapper is a family-owned business, and they take their smoked beef extremely seriously. You can taste it in every single bite. Like, who wants dried-out, rough beef in a bag? Nobody. That's who. Old Trapper, though, is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old-fashioned, teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy, all amazing and all different. So the next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for it in the Clearview bag. And look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Because then that would be the only competitive part of the weekend. Well, imagine trying to have an award for the person who showed the least effort and cared the least. Now, that would be competitive. Like I said at the very top, this weekend sucking is nothing new and nothing that's going to change anytime soon. And saying that something sucks is not a take and saying that the suckiest thing ever sucks is really not a take. So I want to continue to go in a different direction and find the positives in this weekend. There are some things that I actually did like about All-Star Weekend. So let me try this. Number one, the Steph v. Sabrina shootout. That was pretty cool. That was fun. That was different. Unfortunately, 
it took up only six minutes of the weekend. In an otherwise very long, very unentertaining weekend, but at least we got six minutes of good energy. All right, I'll give you something else I thought was somewhat cool, or at least not annoying. The LED court. That was I. That was pretty cool. A little strange, but pretty cool. But where were the LED courts for the Ears Invitational? Why did we have to suffer through those horrifying paint jobs when there was a way cooler option? I personally never thought, I personally believe that I have jungle Tourette's. I personally never thought that the floor itself needed to be gimmicky. But if we're going to be gimmicky little bitches about what they're running on, give me an LED floor over a whack paint job any day. All right, here's something else. I also like that the game happened in Indy. And notice I'm not just spewing negativity here. I'm finding positive things. And believe me, it's not easy. You see me working? I'm working really hard. I'm busting my ass to say positive things about the All-Star Weekend because I'm not just going to come in here and take a big dump all over it. I also liked that the game was in Indy. Awesome to see the Pacers in such a good place right now. Awesome to see the great fans in Indiana getting a chance to host a world-class event. A world-class event where you get to watch the best basketball players in the world give zero craps and play the laziest possible basketball in the world. But at least they did it in your house. I'll tell you something else I loved over the weekend. You know who else was really happy to have that game in Indy? Nobody more so than my dude Chuck. As always, I love me some Charles Barkley. And my guy Chuck was on one last night. Probably because my dude was bored out of his mind. And when my dude gets bored out of his mind, he starts taking wild, unprovoked shots at entire cities. Which is always a win. Hey, Frisco fan. Haven't checked in on you in a minute or two. How you living, Frisco fan? Hey, Frisco fan. Oh, you know something funny? One of one of our bookers said to me, Hey, Jim, would you take Bruce Bochy? And I said, Hell yes, I would. I love Boch. Anyway, I digress. Hey, Frisco fan. You may call me a hater, you actually you do, Frisco fan. That's all you do. You call me a hater, but I've never, ever popped off on y'all like my dude Chuck did last night. Check this out, Frisco fan. You think you got a problem with me? Now you got to deal with somebody much bigger and badder than me, Frisco fan. You need to deal with Chuck. If you had a chance of being cold or being around a bunch of homeless crooks in San Francisco, when you oh, oh, that's crazy. Oh, No, we don't. <laughs> yes, we do. You can't even walk around down yes, there. Yes, you can walk around. <laughs> yeah, with a bulletproof bag. Oh, Frisco fan. And you think I'm the problem. Hey, Holy fan. crap, Chuck. Man, somebody pulled Chuck off Frisco. Dude just went Joe Noah on the bay. Dude just went Gino in San Antonio on Frisco. 
And he really did it with bum smack. Bums who are crooks. My man really was that bored. My man was that bored that he went that hard on Frisco. And can you blame him? We were all that bored with that game. And I ride. I ride with Chuck. I ride and die with Chuck. I will always ride with Chuck, no matter what he says. Yes, you can walk around. (laughs) Yeah, with a bulletproof bag. I like everybody else trying to be like, oh, no, we don't don't agree with that. We don't agree with that. Yes, you can walk around down there. Chuck's like, with a bulletproof vest. (laughs) My man. Absolutely incredible. So, you see, I did find positive things to say about that game and that weekend. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved for only a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everybody feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service, as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. We are joined right now by Charles Omenahu. Charles, great to have you on the show. How you doing? Yes, sir. How you doing, man? Pleasure to be on. I appreciate you. Well, I appreciate you. It's good to have you on. Listen, let me ask you yes, this. Sir. Before before we talk about the Super Bowl win itself, I spoke to your teammate, Nick Algretti, on Friday. He was still processing the tragic events at last week's celebratory parade in KC. I'm curious, yes. how are you feeling today, and what's the last week been like for you? Um, I mean, I, I want to first and foremost, uh, send my prayers to the family that was affected because that was uh, it was supposed to be a celebration turned into a, uh, a tragedy that we never would have expected uh, I wasn't there but I, I talked to some of my teammates and just the commotion and the fear that was in everybody's hearts uh, I couldn't imagine bro. and um, I hope that as a, as a country we, we don't take these things lightly and just do our, our normal prayers up and and all that, and we actually take action to, to, to fix this because, I mean, why, why, why should families be scared to come to a parade now um, to celebrate and, and people are out here shooting with big guns and all that kind of stuff? It just doesn't make sense. Charles, no matter who joining us, you know, I said something to that effect myself when I opened up this program on Thursday. I said, something's got to change. We cannot continue to accept senseless acts of violence and just become numb to it. You, one more thought on this. You posted last week on X, quote, when are we going to fix these gun laws? How many more people have to die to say enough is enough? It's too easy for the wrong people to obtain guns in America, and that's a fact, end of quote. You know, I mean, a strong statement by you. I'm curious, have you felt that way for a while, and what kind of reaction did you get from that post? Uh, I felt, I've been feeling like that for a long time. I, I just think it's, people say it's not the gun laws, it's the people. Well, I mean, it, it, could, it could be a little bit of both, and that could be a fact, but at the same time, making it a little bit harder for a little bit more stipulations or, or, or rules behind being able to obtain a gun, especially maybe a first-time gun, gun owner, would, would help. And, yeah, can you still obtain it legally? Sure. Uh, and that's true. But somebody has to obtain the gun first before you can obtain it illegally. So it's a pattern, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a system that we really actually have to dive into and wonder how these guys, um, these people that are capable of doing these kind of actions, uh, obtaining the guns, man. 
Charles Amena, who is my guest, you know, no easy transition to make, but moving to football, and I appreciate your thoughts on that. Thanks for that. Unfortunately, you were unable to play in the Super Bowl because you tore your ACL in the AFC Championship game. I'm guessing you knew instantly that you tore it. Can you explain kind of what goes through your mind when you're that close to playing in the biggest game of your life, you're having a great year, and then you suffer a significant injury? What kind of thoughts do you have in that moment, or does your mind just go blank? So I didn't know that I actually tore my ACL, okay. to be honest. Okay. I did feel buckled, but I didn't think it was that. They did uh, several tests on my knee, and my knee was um, super stable. So I was actually trying to get back in the game. Um, but I tried to do uh, high knees, and I wasn't able to. So I just thought it was just maybe not for this significant, but a little bit, something a little more minor. Um, but it, it, it def- my mind was just on trying to just be like, hey, we'll see what it is. And I was just trying to remain positive uh, because uh, I was just anticipating being able to play in the Super Bowl, man. I was, um, like you said, I had a great year. I uh, had seven sacks in 11 games. Uh, and then got a strip sack and they had two championship games to kind of turn the game around a little bit for us and sway momentum. So I feel like I was on a hot streak. Uh, I had six games in a row where I had a sack during the regular season. So I felt good. So everything for me was just positive, trying to remain positive. But when they um, told me the news, it kind of just all hit me all at once, to be honest. Uh, who wants to miss out on playing the Super Bowl, especially playing the former team? Right. So it hits you all at once. It, it, it probably hits really hard, obviously. Were there moments like of, why me? Why now? Or did you pretty quickly just have to stuff all of that and be the best teammate you could and as supportive as possible for what would have been the biggest game of your career? Uh, I definitely did have those moments of why me, why now? How is this happening? Why is this happening? Because like I said, I was having so much success. Um, I made a big play in in the game. And I full-on thought that I was just going to continue that same momentum into the Super Bowl, into the biggest game of my career. So um, I definitely had those feelings, but um, at the same time, I was able to compartmentalize while I was in the building to, one, want to be with the team while uh, during the week, and then um, try and help the guys as much as I can, because I really, I mean, the core of that defense was part of the scheme I remember and I know, so I wanted to help as much as I could. Charles who is joining me. So in terms of that defense and the scheme, I'm glad you brought that up. I Personally, I caught a little heat for this, But what I've been saying for the last couple of weeks is that Steve Spagnuolo is arguably the best big game D coordinator I've ever seen, going back to what he did with the Giants when they upset the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And even now, I mean, you tell me, dude, am I wrong? And what's it like to play for him and be in his scheme? No, I mean, Spags has a track record of um, definitely uh, scheming up game plans that are tough for opposing offenses. Uh, I personally do remember that New York Giants uh, defense at back Bray, I think, like six times and made a pretty tough for Bray. And that was the, that was the uh, Patriots team that was probably one of the greatest offenses we've seen in a long time. So, um, but being in this game, it's, it's all about um, multiple looks, multiple fronts, different personnel, uh, a mixture of blitzing, different guys. Just you got to be versatile, you got to be smart. Um, uh, and you got to be somebody that's just cerebral and can just think on the fly. 
You trust. I'll give you a guy. This should come as no surprise. I'll give you a guy who checks all those boxes. Chris Jones. Like, <laughs> you had seven sacks in 11 games, as you point out. He had 10 and a half from his tackle position. How much did you feed off of his game-changing ability? And what do you respect most about Jones in his game? Yeah, I see my, my first sack came off of uh, working with him. But um, I just, I, I think I just took a lot just watching him. Uh, and how he just was, his thought process. Um, he, didn't, he never pressed. I think I just took back and I, I can, at times, be somebody that can press a little bit as far as, like, oh, if I'm not good to the quarterback or whatever. But uh, me and him, for the most part, was on opposite sides a lot. That's how they wanted us to be. Um, but, um, you know, he's a guy that is a game changer, man. I mean, you have thin ass sacks from the detox position. He can rush outside just as well as he can rush inside. Oh, he's definitely he's an impressive player. Uh, my biggest thing, I think, what I took from him is just his leadership and his calmness. Uh, and he just met as a guy that like is seemed to be somebody that has to change the game every game. He never pressed. He never was too high, too low. He just was even kill. And uh, I respect that. Charles Mena, who is joining us. So you're obviously focused on your rehab. But the Chiefs, you know, it seems to me like when that team took the field every single week, they had a giant target on their backs, and that was as the defending champs. What do you think it's going to be like when the team hits the field as the two-time defending champs attempting to do something that has never been done before, three-peat? If it was challenging last year, what's it going to be like next year? Um, I think it's just, I think it's just going to be even more. I mean, people are going to just hate the Chiefs even more. It gets to the point where it's like, I think people get to the point where they're trying to see them win. And that's a good thing. I, was, I want to be that team that people are tired of seeing win, just like that, uh, that time when the Patriots had their long run and people were just like tired of seeing the Patriots being in the championship game or uh, being in the Super Bowl, whatever the case may be. Uh, we're, we're not going to get tired of it because that means we're winning. So um, it just, you just got to bring your A game every week and – I mean, you'd be, you'd be, uh, you'd be, you'd be, you'd be in the wrong if you're not doing that regardless. So that's just what it's going to be. Hey, Charles, one last thought. Like Patrick Mahomes said, and that's not only is that an all-time player, that's an all-time good dude. But he made the point that, quote, "Hey, man, if you need me to be the villain, I can do that. I can do that." Is that kind of effectively how you guys all feel? Like, if you need us to be the villain, man, fine, we're good with that. We'll we'll be your villain. We're here for it. Yeah, I mean, if that's, if that's what people want to call it, they can call it that. Uh, I just think people don't like the fact that we, we just get it done. Uh, no matter the circumstances, no matter personnel, no matter what anybody says, we just get it done. We have guys who are resilient. We have guys who care. We have guys who love football. Uh, we have guys who love winning. We have guys who are um, have that killer instinct, man. You got to have that, too, uh, to make these kind of runs. And to go against teams that are like literally gunning for you every week. And it seems to me, I, I I understand that whole villain thing. I don't really see that in you guys. That I know people get tired of seeing the same teams <laughs> in any sport. You guys don't strike me like <laughs> as villains, but hey, man, whatever it takes, right? Whatever it takes to get that edge. If you can use that fuel and use it to your advantage, why not? But right. I, I don't see the Chiefs as the bad guys. I see the Chiefs as a damn good team. I'm not saying that just because you're here, but. I mean, who sees yeah. Patrick Mahomes as a villain, dude? He's like, he's like one of the best guys. All right, yeah, so nah, for sure. Charles Amena, who joining me. Listen, I appreciate it. Great to have you on the show, dude. Thanks for making time on this Monday. Good luck with the rehab, and I know we'll we'll do it again soon. I appreciate it. Thanks so yeah, much. Sir. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, Charles.
Are you one of millions struggling with premature hair thinning and hair loss? Or maybe you're scared about inheriting that thinning look because it just runs in the family. Introducing Provia, a real solution that delivers on its promise without the harsh side effects, unwanted chemicals, and unpleasant smells. Thanks to our friends that develop GenuCell skincare, Provia uses Procapil. It's a natural ingredient to effectively target the three main causes of premature hair thinning for men and women of any age. By supporting scalp circulation, the delivery of nourishing nutrients, and hair follicle anchoring to your scalp, Provia guarantees more hair on your head than in the shower or on your comb or 100% of your money back. And right now, new customers can save over 50% off Provia's introductory package at ProviaHair.com slash Rome. Every package includes a full 60-day supply of Provia Serum for daily use plus their super concentrate that could give you faster, more noticeable results. And every order includes your choice of a free gift at checkout. See results for yourself right now. ProviaHair.com slash Rome. ProviaHair.com slash Rome. These statements and products have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease or condition. This might have been the most insufferable part of the entire weekend. And it's got nothing to do with any of the terrible basketball. Believe it or not. The most painful... An insufferable part of that weekend was LaCap on the La microphone because LaCap was spewing some nonsense this weekend, even for LaCap. Like when the dude tried to get us believe to believe that he doesn't really want a farewell tour. He's not saying when he's going to hang it up, but when he does, he says he really does not want that farewell tour because he doesn't want to make it about himself because wait for it. He insists he does not do well with praise. I'm 50-50. Um, I'm going to be honest because there's times where I feel like I guess I owe it to my fans that's been along this journey with me for two decades plus to be able to give them that moment, you know, where it's every city and whatever the case may be, and, you know, they give you your flowers or whatever the case may be, you know, and, and that seems cool. But the other side of... I've never been that great with accepting, like, praise. Uh, it's, a, it's a weird feeling for me. So, <laughs> so he wouldn't want the farewell tour, but he would do it for the fans because it's important for them to give him his flowers. I mean, LeBag, do you even hear yourself anymore? You seriously think anyone is buying any of that? Starting with, you're not comfortable with praise. You don't like being praised. You don't like people looking at you and talking about you and giving you credit. If by not being comfortable with praise, you mean all eyes on me, the goat, now kiss my rings, then yeah, sure, you hate praise. Praise. This dude hates praise. Like he hates hanging fake banners for fake accomplishments. Again, he's, you know what he is? He's the LeBron James of hating praise. What's more LeBron than going on a farewell tour? 
and having everybody give him something every step of the way. And he's having us believe that, no, nah, man, I, it's not about me. I, don't, I never make it about me. I don't want to be about me. But you know what? My fans, they love me. So I'm going to do this. But if I do this, it's only because my fans want me to do it. But I don't want to do it. Because honestly, I have trouble with praise. You know I don't want you looking at me. You know I don't want you talking about me. Did That dude just said, I honestly, I have trouble with praise? Sure, LeCap. He wasn't then there either. He was not finished LeCapping. He also went full LeCap on a question about Golden State's rumored interest at the trade deadline. It didn't go far at all. You know, I actually heard about it when everybody else heard about it. You know, obviously, you know, Charles been in the league, Kenny been in the league, Shaq been in the league, and sometimes there's conversations happen behind closed doors that you don't even know about. And until, I guess, if it's real or not, then they'll bring it to you, but it, it never even got to me, so... You know, I heard it when the reports dropped as well. I have a serious question. Is there anybody listening right now that believes a word that he's saying? Anybody? You're going to tell me that the alleged GOAT, the face of not only that franchise, but the entire league right now, would have a team call about a trade and they would shoot it down without telling him about the trade. That... Clutch didn't even bother running it by him. They just decided. You don't think that LeBron would say, hey, if somebody like that, Golden State especially, is interested in my services, you think you might want to run that by me first before you shut that down? I mean, do you really think, LeBron, that we all found out about that the same time you did? That you knew nothing about it? That had you not gone to your phone, we all would have known before you that somebody wanted to make a trade for you, that nobody in your orbit ran that by you. That, that is, I'm going to take a deep breath. That, that, that's idiotic. I mean, come on, stop with that. Between claiming that you don't want a farewell tour because you're not comfortable with praise and saying that you found out about the Warriors trade at the exact same time the rest of us found out, I don't even know what is the biggest, baggiest lacap of the weekend. All I know is I'm going to call BS on all of it. I'm going to ask the question. It's an honest question. Is there anybody listening out there that believes any part of that? People probably think that he doesn't want the tour, that he's not comfortable with praise, and that he actually knew nothing about Golden State trying to make a deal for him. As far as the All-Star game, what can I say? I mean, the Pro Bowl is looking down at the NBA All-Star game, but not by much. If not for Charles's takedown of Frisco, that, that was like the NBA all-star equivalent of Sean Taylor's hit on Brian Mormon in the Pro Bowl. Hey, Silver, just add another rule to be eligible for NBA MVP and all NBA teams. On top of that 65-game rule, they also have to play defense in the all-star game. Well, and probably you should pay them too. Well, you're never going to have a good game. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.
So it kind of got lost in the Super Bowl chaos. I want to touch on this. But if you missed it, Cliff Kingsbury is back in the NFL. Now, he was supposed to come back as Antonio Pierce's OC in Vegas, which would have been pretty interesting. But what happened instead is actually way more interesting. What reportedly happened instead is that Cliff got poached from the Raiders before he could actually sign on the dotted line. Cliff was right in the middle of becoming one with the autumn wind. And then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, they're announcing him as the new commander's offensive coordinator, which was all a little strange. Like there was this rumored reason or speculation that Cliff went from a verbal agreement with the Raiders to a signed agreement with the commanders. Like, how did that happen? How'd the guy get away? He was that close to putting a pen to paper, reportedly. We're not exactly sure what went down, but what is now clear is who got involved. And we know exactly who got involved in snatching Cliff away from AP because Antonio Pierce just blurted it out on the pivot last week. Oh, well, National Football League, NFL, not for long. <laughs> so you're right. I thought we had a guy, but not for long. Hold on. So you put pen to paper, man. That's the one thing I learned. I, no different than us in free agency, right? Gotcha. Teams are recruiting you. Things are going on. Listen, Mac Johnson pretty good. I guess he can still, I think he can still dish it out a little bit. <laughs> if I'm losing the magic, I'm okay with that, right? And then at the end of the day, listen, man, if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. That's fine. All right. So are we to interpret that he, he just said that generically? If, if I'm losing to magic, that's all right. Or was magic actually involved in poaching this dude? He just said, look, NFL is not for long, but if I'm losing to anybody, it's okay if it's magic. If I'm losing to magic, I'm okay with that. <laughs> magic can still dish it out a little bit. My man, it doesn't sound like magic was dishing. It sounded like magic was snatching. As in snatching your offense coordinator. Man, if magic is the reason, if magic is the reason, I am blown away by the absurdity of all this. I thought that magic being involved with the commanders would just lead to some unbelievably lame posts on the X. Who knew magic would allegedly be getting involved in not just assistant coaching hires, but in stealing away other teams' assistant coaching hires. Man, I hope that's how that went down. I hope that he was not just using that as a figure of speech. Like, he knows Magic is part of the ownership group, so if I lose to somebody, it might as well be the greatest. I don't know. Like, I want to say I love to see it. Well, I do, because I'm not a Commander fan. Love to see it. I'm not anti-Commander. I'm not pro-Commander. I'm neutral Commander, but I'm pro-content. Commander fans probably asking, okay, okay, you pulled Cliffy out of Vegas. Irv, where were you when we were trying to get Ben Johnson? Where were you when Mike McDonald was negotiating with the Seahawks? Why didn't you pull him out of there at the last second, the way you did Cliffy? When we needed magic to come in and work his magic and flex, where was he then? We needed him for the head coach, not to steal Cliff away from the Raiders. Hey, and look, I get where Commander fans coming from. I'm not here to say that Cliff Kingsbury is a great idea for the Commanders. I'm just here to say that Cliff was Magic's idea, maybe. And if that's the case, man, that is hilarious. 
Now, I don't know for certain because I can't speak for Irv. Irv works in really mysterious ways. All I know is that Cliff had a chance to completely deny this whole thing when he was introduced as the new commander's offensive coordinator and yet definitely did not completely deny this whole thing. Are you able to provide any sort of clarity on sort of what happened with the Raiders and, you know, how it led to here? Yeah, I don't want to get into the specifics, but have a tremendous amount of respect for that organization and Mark Davis and, and AP, um, huge fan of his. How was Magic Johnson involved? Uh, once again, don't want to get into any of those specifics. Not exactly a denial, is it? How is Magic involved? Hey, man, when Magic calls, you jump. I mean, I, why do you not want to get into the specifics, my guy? They sound pretty juicy. We all want to know how Magic managed to pry you away when you were about to sign on that line that was dotted. Hey, dude, we got time. We have nowhere to be. Uh, once again, don't want to get into any of those specifics. Yeah, but you know, sometimes you have to do things you don't want to do. Sometimes you, that, that's part of the job, right? You, you think I love every aspect of this job? There are parts of this job that I don't want to do, but I know I have to do them. So I know you don't want to get into it, Cliff. Just get into it because we all want the story. I think we're at, the reason is we're having a hard time imagining Irv operating in the NFL world. I understand that ownership group has a lot of basketball folks on it, but at least I'm having a hard time envisioning Irv making football decisions for a football franchise. Crazy for me to picture football people listening to that dude considering Laker players didn't even listen to him when he was their Laker coach and not that far removed from the game. But that didn't work out so well either. You know what else didn't work out? When he was a basketball executive. That also didn't work out. So since he didn't make it as a basketball coach or a basketball executive, you know what we should do? We should make him a football executive. What could go wrong? I can only imagine what else Irv is up to right now on behalf of the commanders. For real. I would love to get a look at Irv's mock draft. I would love to see Irv's draft board right now. Because you know this dude's locked away in a dark film room, just crushing tape as we speak. And if I want to know who he's thinking about with that second pick, I bet Dan Quinn is really anxious to find out what quarterback Magic is going to select with that second pick. Because there is no consensus right now. Magic Johnson pretty good. DQ will probably spend draft night or the nights leading up to draft night refreshing the X over and over, waiting for Magic to make his big announcement over who he has decided on for that second pick. In fact, you know what? Since we really don't know how this guy operates, how do we know that he didn't hire Dan Quinn? How do we know that? This whole thing about, yeah, well, you had to settle. Well, DQ was like the fourth choice. How do we even know that? How do we know that DQ wasn't the first choice? How do we know Magic didn't hire him? We don't, because you didn't know that Magic allegedly poached Cliffy. Specifics. So how do we know? How do we know that Irv isn't single-handedly masterminding that entire operation right now? We don't know that. Specifics. Hey, Commander fan, how's going from Dan Snyder meddling and getting too involved 
and making too many football decisions to Magic Johnson meddling and getting too involved and making too many football decisions. If I'm losing to Magic, I'm okay with that. You are? AP, you're okay with a guy that was there with a pen in hand, ready to put his name on a contract, and he got away because Magic poached him? You're okay with that? Magic Johnson Dude, you good. must be a really big Laker fan. You must like the Lakers still- more than you like the Raiders, AP, if you're okay with that. How can you be okay with that? I'm not even saying that Cliffy is the end-all. I mean, do we even know if he's a great coach? I don't think we do. Got a pretty good offensive mind, and he has a knack for falling forward. Anyway, at least things aren't changing too quickly in the district. Yes, getting rid of Snyder was a big win and legit progress, but having actual football people make the actual football decisions, please, let's not get crazy. Why do we need football people making football decisions? For who? For what? Please, man. Mac Johnson, pretty good. All right, so we have ourselves a rant. A rant for the ages. And say what you will about Rick Pitino. And I know you clones will. The mere mention of this dude has y'all running for your phone and your keyboards to blast out escort and action on the table at an Italian restaurant, smack, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Again, tired of all the same old resets. I would tell you to do better, but I know you cannot. Just as I know you're thinking to yourself, do better. Do better, Rome. What do you mean, do better, Rome? We're already killing the game. You clones are like, you're lucky we even perform for you, bastard. Leave the JTP alone. Leave Benny alone. Anyway, point being, that aside, my take. When 71-year-old Rick Pitino was hired on to fix a classic program like St. John's, that was a very good thing. I still think it's a good thing, but I thought it was a really good thing when it happened. It would make for a great story. And the probability of him turning them around was really, really high because this is what this dude does, what he's always done. He goes in to broken homes and he rebuilds them. He fixes bleep. Always has. And again, stop with your, hey, Rome, you know what else he always does? I'm focused on basketball right here. War Patino using angel hair pasta as a conscious. See? War Patino using angel hair pasta as a contraceptive. That That's almost acceptable, but still not. So I'm focused on the here and now. Not what he used as a contraceptive, if in fact he did, in that Italian restaurant years ago. I'm focused on what's going on right now. So, let's talk about St. John's and Rick Pitino. They got off to a good start. In his first year, they start off 12-4, and and it looked like, well, he's going to do what he always does. Now, normally, it takes two years. Normally, his first year is not great, but then in the second year, they just completely blow up. They're tournament-bound. They win conference titles. Just look it up. Look at his record. But he got off to a great start, and it looked like, he might do the impossible and get them to the NCAA tournament in his first season. But then the bottom fell out. Then, after choking away a huge lead against Seton Hall yesterday, my man lost his mind completely. Now, he had been trending in that direction. He'd been getting more and more aggravated with his team. Yesterday, in effect, it was like he got on the team bus, 
He threw the driver of the team bus out the window, sat in his seat, and then proceeded to run over and back over anyone and anything in his sight. He publicly is going in on his players by name, his assistant coaches, the facilities they have there, and even another program that has nothing to do with any of it. And again, dude's just out here dropping names when he's calling people out. And then he tagged it all by saying, quote, this is the most unenjoyable experience of my life. My dude, (laughs) that's an amazing statement. 71 years, and this guy's had his ups and downs. But this right, this here and now is the most unenjoyable experience of his entire life. My man, I hate to say that I'm enjoying the most unenjoyable time of your life, but I am enjoying the most unenjoyable time of your life because this is an all-time rant. Alvin, if you're ready and you can find it, it's probably right next to the second floor, play as much of this patino meltdown as you want. I think they're unathletic. I don't think they move well laterally. I don't think they're going to pick it up in the next week. Um, I think they're slow laterally. I mean, Sean Conway gives you everything he can. He's slow laterally. About five guys are slow laterally. Even even the Celtics when we lost, I've enjoyed every minute being a Boston Celtic coach. Didn't like the fact that we lost in that following year, but this has been the most unenjoyable experience I've had since I've been coaching. Do you have any second thoughts of taking this job? No, not at all. It's not St. John's. It's my team. I mean, you all but said, I hate these guys. <laughs> it's not St. John's. It's my team. I mean, where do I even start? I don't think that killing your players publicly and singling them out by name is going to do very much to help recruiting. Like, what kid's going to see that and think, I'm going to go play for that old man. And if I don't move quickly enough or I don't lift enough, or my lateral game is not good enough, he is going to light my ass up publicly. I don't think that's going to help recruiting, just as I don't think that Rick gives a damn. The game has changed, the players have changed, but he sure as hell hasn't, and he sure as hell won't. Not at age 71 he won't. Not even after he said, does this sound like a guy mellowing? He said recently after a loss, he felt like killing himself. No, I, I don't feel good when we lose. I f-ing hate the world. So just so you understand that. No, I don't feel good. I've never felt good with a lot. Pardon my language. So I don't feel good. I don't believe in those um, valiant efforts on the road. No, I feel like I want to kill myself, jump in the, in the cold and, and die of frostbite. Does that sound like a dude who's going to change? Dropping F-bombs and saying, no, no, no. When I lose... I want to kill myself and not just kill. Like he's not even saying like, I want to take a few pills and lie down and not wake up. He wants to jump into the cold and die of frostbite. Like I want to kill myself, jump in the, in the cold and, and die of frostbite. This is not like his greatest hits. These are all comments that were made in the last few weeks. So again, for the record, I like Rick Pitino. I'll be very clear about this. I like Rick Pitino. I have always liked Rick Pitino. Obviously, I don't always like what he does. Obviously, I don't like everything he's done. And hell yes, he's done some pretty regrettable things. Inside of Italian restaurants and outside of them. But there is no disputing. He's a hell of a coach. An all-time great. But yes, I'll own it. I like this guy. I've always liked this guy. Always. And I love the rant. It's an all-time rant. 
And again, what makes it an all-time rant is he lit everyone and everything up. His players, his assistants, the facility. He's dropping names publicly. He even drags Missouri into it for no reason whatsoever. So again, an all-time rant. But here's what makes it an all-time rant, aside from that. He's blaming everyone and everything without owning any of it himself. Nowhere in that rant do you hear him say, it's on me. It starts right here. It's my program. Those are my decisions. I'm the reason we're in this position. If you want to blame anybody, blame me. You're not hearing anything like that. Far from it. Instead, what he's saying is, if you want to blame anyone, blame everyone. I mean, Sean Conway gives you everything he can. He's slow laterally. If you want to blame anyone, blame everyone except me. Because this sure as hell isn't on me. See, the problem with blaming his coaches for that terrible recruiting class is that they're his coaches. He signed off on all of them. Just like he signed off on all these players that aren't tough enough, aren't strong enough, aren't quick enough, and do not move laterally well enough. That's all. I think they're unathletic. The fact that my guys are not nearly athletic enough. Dude, who brought them in? Whose guys are they? They're yours. I don't think they move well laterally. But what he's doing in effect is like, they're not my guys. My staff recruited those guys. And they recruited a bunch of dudes that don't fit my system. So he's not owning any of that. Just as he won't own the fact that a number of the guys that he ran off or encouraged to leave because they allegedly did not fit his system, a number of those guys are elsewhere and doing really well. Thriving. So, dude, props for an all-time rant. Believe me, I appreciate the content. And you do still have 18 wins. And you may still turn this thing around ultimately. Because that is what you do. But what you don't do is own any of it when things do go wrong. And this is not the first time we've seen this version of this dude. It's just the best version of this dude that we've ever seen. I f***ing hate the world. That was pretty good. I effing hate the world when we lose and I want to kill myself by jumping into the cold and dying of frostbite. That's pretty like good. I want to kill myself, jump in the, in the cold and, and die of frostbite. However, him, him going off on everybody and everything and owning none of it himself is something. Like, don't look at me. I have nothing to do with this garbage. That, that whole don't look at me, I have nothing to do with this garbage is a garbage take. Garbage. It's a garbage vibe. Garbage. Because my dude... You have everything to do with it. Your program, your decisions, your results. In other words, how is none of this your fault? I have your answer, my guy. Much of it is. Again, your program, your choices. I love the rant. I do. I love that rant. But I hate that this dude is not owning anything and thinks none of it has anything to do with him when all of it has something to do with him. But, but... Let's not let any of that get in the way of a legendary rant. This has been the most unenjoyable experience I've had since I've been coaching. The most, if, if you're one of his players, how are you feeling right now? Hey, yo, bro. See how coach just did us? He said we're slow. He said we're weak. He said we're unathletic. 
He says we can't move laterally. And he just called coaching us the most unenjoyable experience of his entire coaching career. This has been the most unenjoyable. But those dudes are going to be ready to run through a wall or run to the portal. Let's go to Humboldt. Jay in Humboldt. Good to have you. Jay, what's up? Hey, Rome. I'm just called to congratulate you on your move to X. I think it's a bold and definitely the right decision kind of move. Now we can get back to what we want, the rap fam, Bum Smack, OJ, the Jardians Nation, and dropping zingers like punching fart boxes. Bong rip. Ah, like, no. You don't like that car. No, not really. Not a very good car. That's not why... (laughs) Rob in Florida before the bottom of the break, bottom of the hour, I should say. What's going on, Rob? How are you? Good, Romy. 20-year listener. You know, Romy, that Patino hired because of the money only. They had no interest in a coach with that kind of lack of moral character whatsoever. All they wanted was to have a legend there, beautiful, will make big bucks. They don't care. How can these kids want to give their all for a leader this insulting and this type of lack of character. Let me uh, take a shot at that, Rob. Appreciate you. Thank you very much. Good night now!